All right, Book of Ecclesiastes, if you would please, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to do my best to uh, be timely here and get you out. Uh, uh, my hair is not only turning gray, it's turning loose and uh, I'm trying to catch up to Pastor. And uh, I'm getting close. Uh, I love you, brother. <clears throat> I want to I want to tell you uh, something real quick about the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is our human author, and we're getting to the end of his life. And as he comes to the end of his life, like those of us that have snow on the roof or a solar panel up there, uh, how many of you would say you're a little bit wiser with age? Yes or no? Right. We learn from our experiences. Solomon is coming to the end of his book as he's writing. And he looks back on his life and he says, I've got some things that I want you to know. I've got some things that I want to share with you. And at 55 years of age and having children that are grown and my grandchildren, there's some things that I want them to learn early in life. I want them to have to make the same mistakes that I've made, yes or no. I want them to be able to learn those. This is not a missions message. If that's what you're expecting, I'm not going to apologize because last night, as I was just praying about it, this is a message that God said to preach, and so that's what I'm going to preach. So I'm not going to apologize in that sense. I believe that God led in a, in a certain way and I hope that it'll be a blessing to you, and I believe that it's on purpose for us tonight. Solomon is, he's at the end of his life, and he's looking back. How many of you would join with me tonight and say, as I look back, I have some regrets? It doesn't matter if saved or lost, you have regrets. Many times, even as a Christian, we look back after salvation and say, oh, I wish I could do that over again. I wish I would have made a different decision. We have some regrets. And Solomon explains some of that to us throughout the book, but I want to call your attention to a couple of verses in, I, I think I said chapter 11, but I'm going to ask you to look at chapter number 12. And... Solomon uses some wording in the first few verses that help us to understand that he is at the end of his life. And look at verse 3, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. Look. And the strong men bow themselves, and the grinders, look up here. The grinders, what? Cease because they are few. And those that look out the windows, look. I used to not have to wear these. Those that look out the windows, be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. When you get older, your hearing starts to go, right? And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and the daughters of the music shall be brought low. Uh, you, you get up earlier. You get up with the early birds, and you wake the chickens up, right? And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way. And as people get older, they, many times they become more fearful of many things. And so we understand that he's at that point in his life and he's looking back. But, you know, from the very beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says something time and time again. He says, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. And so I want us to think about that. He's saying, 
It's empty. It's hopeless. It's helpless. And he's looking at some, some things like that, and he's discouraged. But I'm glad it doesn't stop there. Amen. You can be seated. Father, I pray tonight that you'll help us in the next few moments together. I pray for clarity of speech and, Lord, that you'll help my voice. I pray, Lord, that you'd uh, help me to convey the message that you would have for us tonight. May each be sensitive to hear and smart enough to obey as you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. He was an amazing man. He, he was somebody that had all the money, all the power, all the time, all the energy, all the resources to make his dreams come true. He literally could have had anything and everything that he wanted. But Solomon was also restless. He wanted to figure out what was life all about. And so he starts this wild journey as he's younger. And literally in today's society and today's scale, Solomon spent millions of dollars and many years of his life chasing a dream. Now, there's nothing wrong with having dreams and chasing dreams, but you better be sure that those dreams line up with the Word of God and the will of God. Amen. But that wasn't always true in his life. He was on a search for the ultimate meaning of life. He was on this search for satisfaction. I want to remind us ahead of time that the journey that he took, yes, it was mind-boggling, but it left him deflated, it left him depressed, it left him disillusioned. And many times when the focus of our search is on the things that are on this earth, it will leave you deflated and it will leave you discouraged and it will leave you depressed. And time and time again, there's a phrase throughout the book of Ecclesiastes that says this, that which is under the sun. Solomon says that many times. You know what he's saying? That which is earthly. That which is under the sun, the things that are down here will leave you helpless, hopeless, discouraged, and depressed. Somebody help me because that's what, what life is. That's true much of the time, isn't it? But he says to us, that which is above the sun, that's what our eyes, that's what our focus should be set upon is he that is above the sun, not that which is below the sun. Now think about it just in your own life. When we are focused upon the Lord, it's good. When we start looking at, at life, <laughs> bummer, <laughs> discouraging, you know, like, shoot me now. It, we start looking at life, and we start looking at all the problems of our world and our society. And it's, it's by the way, let me help you with that. Turn the stupid news off. That'll help you a whole lot. Pastor, preacher shouldn't say that word in the pulpit. I wasn't. I was over here. <clears throat> Solomon realizes at the end of his life, I've been focusing on the wrong things. I've been pursuing the wrong things. And he looks back and he says with great regret, he begins to it, it share his heart. And it's, it's like, uh, you're, how many of you remember the old V8 commercial? <laughs> wow, I could have had a V8. How many of you remember that? It's like Solomon is walking along. Like, wow, I could have had a V8 moment. It's like, man, am I that dumb? Why didn't I think about this before? Why didn't I realize before that I was focusing on the wrong things? 
Why did I spend, I think we can all associate with this, why did I waste so much time seeking the wrong things? If you go back to the first part, and we're, we're, we're going to, I want to ask you to turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This, this is a man that could have anything that he wanted, and he chased everything that he wanted. And he found most everything that he wanted, except for true joy and satisfaction. And that came much later in his life. And now we're hearing him write with wisdom and say, Oh, please, you young guys, don't make the mistakes that I made. Every adult in here ought to be helping the preacher right now. Amen. You young people, don't make the same mistakes. You're still young, but don't, they can say, don't make the same, would you agree? Don't make the same mistakes that I made. And he's, he's expressing, he's just pouring out his heart. I, 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 for sake of time, I want to just try to help us to remember a little bit of this book. He built great kingdoms. He had all power as the king. He had great possessions, the wealthiest man in the world. He had more riches than he could ever think about spending. Money was not an issue to Solomon. He had power as the king. He had position. He had possessions. He had everything that we might want to think would make him happy in life. And yet he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Look at chapter 2 and verse number 11. Then I looked on all the works of my hands that, that all, uh, I'm, let me start over. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no prophet under the sun. When Solomon wanted to experiment with different things that life had to offer, there was nothing to hold him back. He was the king. No one could question him. One of the richest individuals in the world, money was not a problem. He was convinced that if he could find something that would ultimately satisfy him, if he just looked hard enough. But everything that he tried, he found was vanity. Pleasure. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, of laughter is madness. What does it accomplish? His next step was in the world of alcohol and experimented with the finest wines and liquor available from all over the world. But yet when the buzz wore off, so to speak, the hangover was there. He was empty. The next layover was a massive building project, and he designed and constructed several cities and homes, and his own home took 13 years to build, and it became one of the seven wonders of the world, and yet it was unfulfilling. He purchased hundreds, if not thousands, of servants and possessed flocks and herds larger than anyone had ever owned. He moved into collecting precious gems and silver and gold. He even bought, the, and brought, bought and brought the best musicians from the world and soloists so as to entertain him. He went the way of physical intimacy with 700 wives and 300 concubines, and yet that was not enough. Everything he coveted, he eventually owned. Every fantasy was fulfilled on the spot, and yet it still wasn't enough. 
he says in verse number 11, emptiness, it's vanity. Nothing brought him the, lattice, uh, the, the, the lasting satisfaction. Look down in chapter 2, verse number 23, or 22 and 23. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? There's that phrase. For all his days are sorrow and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This also is vanity. He talks about the futility of everything. He realized that his fantasies had turned out to be nothing more than bad dreams. Instead of living the dream, he was regretting the dreams. He was looking for something of substance in his life. If I could kind of put it this way, one day he woke up and it was like he saw all of the empty beer bottles and he saw all the wasted people and he saw that women were everywhere and that there were books of all different kinds everywhere and that his landscaped yard and, and all of the things that were there. And he says, this is crazy. This is crazy. But the great thing is that before he dies and as he gets here to his V8 moment in life, and he looks back, and he's described all of that for us from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11. And now in chapter number 12, he describes himself as an old man, but yet his journal does not end in regret. I'm so thankful that God's a God of second chances. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful that when we are Idiots, God is merciful. And that was the case. The good thing about his journal is it doesn't end on a note of despair. After experimenting with everything that he could think of and, and wanting there to be more of life, he, he comes to the point, look at chapter 12 and verse number 11. He says in chapter 12, verse number 11, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assembly, which are given from one shepherd. The words of the wise are like goads. A goad was about an eight, eight feet long. It had a sharp point on the end, and it was used for guiding oxen. He says the words of the wise, the word of God, it was something that was like a, a goad and it prods us and it pokes us and it's something that he could not get out of his mind and it's, it's sometimes it's what God uses to guide us along gently and at other times God has to poke us a little bit to help us to understand that we're on the wrong track and we need to get back on the right track. And so as Solomon begins to explain this, he continues, it's like a nail that's hammered deeply into a four by four. You can hang on to that scripture and you can hold fast. It's something that I can hold on to when there's nothing else that's working out in my life. I know that I have something that I can hold on to and it's called the preserved word of God. Amen. Oh, how I wish that I, when I was your age, I would have remembered the word of God. I would have held on to what was precious to me, but I laid it down. And it's almost like I laid it down and he began walking and began focusing on that which was under the sun. The next thing you do, where's your Bible? <laughs> Over there. 
somebody come and take it away from you? Yes, sir. It's like Solomon says, I, I think, I, did, did you see me lay, lay it down somewhere? Uh, I forgot where I put it. And you know what? If you and I are not careful, we begin pursuing the things that this world has to offer. We lay the Word of God down, and we forget about it. And then we get off track. We start pursuing all that the world has to offer instead of holding on to the one thing that is sure, the Word of God. He says it's like a nail that's driven deep. It's something that you can hold on to. It's something that will hold fast when the storms of life come and when the winds blow. The promises of the Word of God are sure, yes or no. That's right. Amen. And I know that I know that I know that I can trust God's Word. And oh, how I wish that I would not have forgotten that. Solomon is, he's now he's looking back. Man, I wish I wouldn't have forgot. How many of us could say that? Come on, help me out. Been times when I laid it down and I kind of forgot where it was at and I started chasing the things that life had to offer and I got distracted and, and I got off track. How many of us, come on, help me out. How many of us could say that? Let's be honest. These young people need to see that. But how many of us regret that just the same? So young people, you don't have to make those same mistakes. But again, I know I've said this before, it doesn't end there. Notice what he says at the end of chapter number 12. The words of the wise are as goads. They're something that helps me along. Verse 12, and further by these, the words of God, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end and much study is weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Verse 12 challenges us not to go beyond the Bible, but where there's all kinds of other books that are available, listen, stick with the Word of God. And until we discover God, the reading of many books, it will lead us to nothing that really has lasting value. Look at chapter 12 and verse number 13. It's really this simple. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I think if we were to take a survey and say, how many of you want to go through life unsatisfied and unfulfilled? We're not going to see a lot of hands go up. To have something different is to honor God, to obey His Word and to follow the Word that He gives to us. Let me kind of put it in this way. After experimenting with all that life had to offer, Solomon is convinced that there has to be more. And his insight applies to us as much as it did to his own situation. When you shake everything down, there's really only two things that matter. We must Take God seriously. Look at verse number 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 
We must take God seriously. We need to hold Him in high regard, to respect and to revere Him because He's holy and majestic and awesome. God expects us to give Him His rightful place that He deserves in our life. Because I promise you, you're going to worship something. And there's many people in our world today that are worshiping the wrong thing. Because they're not worshiping God. Oh, they might come to church on a regular basis. And maybe they're even in this building right now. But if you're honest, you don't really worship God. You worship yourself. You worship your abilities. You worship your house. You worship your kids. You worship your job. You worship something else. You don't worship God the way that He deserves to be worshiped. Awful quiet. Preacher, you don't know me. I know our world. Our world worships money and sports and everything else that this world has to offer. Solomon's second conclusion, because he is God, look at verse 14, because he is God, then we must obey him in all that we do. I'm going to finish with a little bit of a looking back kind of a thing. Remember when, when you were kids? Now, I know for some of us, we've got to go a lot further back than others. But remember when you... Don't be looking... This is not the time to be looking at your wife, sir. This is, <laughs> it's not the time to be looking at somebody. But you remember when you were kids, you're like, you're playing a game or something. Maybe some of you still do this. You're playing a game and you mess up and you're like, do over! You call a do over. Right? Any golfers in here? Any, anybody play golf? What's it called? Mulligan, right? Do over. Right? That's a bad shot. I want to get a chance to hit that one over again. Do over. Don't you wish a lot of times, adults, that we could just call a do over? The Word of God that's like that nail that we can hold on to says that His mercies are new each day. His word says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Don't let Satan keep you trapped in your past. See, here we are, we're reading, we're reading Ecclesiastes, and Solomon is looking back and he's saying, I realize how I had given myself, and I became a prisoner of my own desires. I became a prisoner of my own pursuits. And oh, how I've wasted time. And if, 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 I need a youth volunteer. I need a youth volunteer. A youth volunteer. A youth volunteer. Stand up. He's <laughs> almost bigger than I am. A youth volunteer. Okay. Don't panic. I am going to lay my hands on you. <laughs> didn't want him to like <laughs> it's like Solomon is saying what did you what were you thinking sometimes don't you ever want to do that what <laughs> What in the world were you thinking again how many of us wish that we could grab our younger self and shake them a little bit yeah. what were you thinking and here's Solomon he's at the end of his life and he's looking back and he's saying Mm, how I wish I could teach the younger people something. Oh, how I wish I could. 
Oh, how I wish that I could teach the younger me something. Oh, how much this preacher wishes that he could teach the younger people like you. Don't chase the temporary. Don't let someone convince you to waste your time and your energy chasing something else. And parents, can it help us? Don't set the wrong example by you doing it yourself. Chasing the wrong things. Solomon says, I have so much regret. Learn from my mistakes. And the fact of the matter is, I want to ask you to stand and we're going to look back to move forward. Thank you. Go ahead and please, everyone stand. I want you to look back and um, uh, it's verse number one. Solomon is closing his letter. And uh, if you have your Bible in front of you, I want you to read with me those first two words. Remember now. You see, we can look back and we can have all kinds of regret, but you and I cannot change the past. But do not let the devil keep you trapped in your past. When he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Don't let Satan, well, you'll never amount to anything. Oh, remember how many, remember you tried that before and you failed. His mercies are new each day. If this message is spoken to you tonight, I want you to remember those first two words. Remember now. You see, I can't change yesterday. I can't change my past. But I can change my now. And I can change my future with God's help. It's a whole lot better if we just let Him change those things.